Luke, uh, we are we are late uh, for those that are dedicated listeners to the show. Wow, my camera is going insane. Wow, so I'm gonna fix your camera that. is this this uh, we just, this, this just got strange to an episode. R-rated show. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare! You leave it in. Oh boy, people want to see that waistline. Uh, ew. One second, folks. The Michigan in uh, Trouble podcast is now on OnlyFans. There we go. Well, we gotta we gotta monetize this podcast somehow. You know. I like to rant. Ranting is fun. It also makes cleanses the soul. Uh, Detroit is to be one of the best sports cities in the country, if not the best. Surely Javi can't be as bad this year as he was last year. Surely that can't be the case. One of the worst offenses, if not the worst offense, like in the modern era of baseball. Just absolutely atrocious. He is a piece of the puzzle. He is not the entire puzzle. Right. He's a puzzle piece, but he is not the entire puzzle. This is the Michigan and Trumbull podcast with your hosts, Alex S. Freeman and Luke Giaconis. Hello and welcome to the Michigan and Trumbull podcast. I'm Alex Freeman, joined as always by Luke Giaconis. Uh, Luke, we're, we're tardy in the release of this episode. Um... Part of partially because I could not record in our regular Thursday night time because I was at the Tigers versus Yankees. Uh, mm-hmm. And then partially because uh, I'm going to blame the first weekend of NFL football for why we didn't get it done the rest Fair. of the weekend. Uh, you Fair. also took in some college football over the weekend. I did. Uh, I did. So, yes, ma. So I guess, Luke, Luke, I, one, how are you? Um, I'm so condolences to the Bears. And uh, how was your first <sighs> weekend of of football being back in full force? Well, I wish I could believe you when you say condolences to the Bears. I know you've got to just be loving this. It's like the first time. Usually we're in misery together with our teams, but now we kind of separate for the football season where it does become, you know, let's pick at each other and throw rocks at one another. Actually, we're pretty civil. I think we both agree like, Hey, if it can't be me, I'd rather it be you. And as long as it's not Green Bay, I'm cool. Yeah. I think that's kind of our mindset. That's like our unofficial kind of uh, alliance that we have. Um, I'm good personally, good. Life is good. I did just this past weekend, like you mentioned, uh, took in my first ever real college football experience. So where you and what I went an to school, insult Western, to where we went to college, Luke. Western Illinois <laughs> University. You is went a to wonderful Florida versus institution. McNeese State. You didn't go to a real yeah. college football game. <laughs> that is true. That is true. It, it was, uh, from, from what I could gather, it was one of those you put on the schedule just so you could say at the end of the season, well, at least we got one under our belt kind of no, thing. I don't, I don't game, have, so I don't have great confidence that Western Illinois University could have beaten McNeese State, but, um, you know, here we know. are. I don't know. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> I, I don't know. No, no disrespect to our to our alma mater. WIU, the WIU. Um, but man, I've I've never I'm not gonna bury the lead here, and you know this about me, but in case our listeners and our viewers on the YouTube don't know this, uh, I have never been a huge college sports fan. I don't follow March Madness because I'm not a big basketball guy. I love baseball, but I don't even really tune into the college world series. College football to me has usually kind of been obsolete as well. I went to one college football game with an actual team where 
the fans get into it. The community gets into it. It's a stadium that's bigger than Soldier Field. And I went, oh, now I get it. Now I <laughs> now I get it. This is what it's like. So, yeah, I'm going to blame Western Illinois University for the fact that they were just so mediocre and abysmal with probably all their sports. To be fair, I wasn't really taking in many of their athletics while we were there. I was too busy trying to get that theater degree, man. Got to got to get on the stage. But um, yeah, it was it was a hell of a time. I am now an official Gator guy, and uh, I got a couple shirts, got some swag. I'll be back there this upcoming weekend to watch them take on the Tennessee Vols, and uh, great time, awesome experience. And it's nice to say I now have a third team. Um, so my fandom, I'm sure, will grow and fluctuate over over the upcoming season and seasons to come. But we're we're in a nice spot. It's it's nice to finally be claimed by a college football team. I was a free agent for many, many seasons and the Florida Gators made a compelling offer. And, uh, you know, here I am. I'm a Gator guy. Was, was part of that compelling offer that, um, you would be disowned by your girlfriend's family if you did not cheer for the Gators? hundred percent. Yep. Absolutely. That's, that's pretty much it. It's a very compelling offer. It's a very, very pretty much. Actually, the, 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 the pitch they got me was like, yeah, we go to Gator games. You got to go. You have a good time. And I was like, all right, Sold. That was it. Sold. <laughs> all someone had to do was invite me to one. After all these years, that's it. It could have been any team. Could have been any team. Hey, you want to come to this thing? I would. I would, I would have become a new fan because I was. I didn't have a fandom. Now I've got. Now I've got a fandom. And now I'm a. Now I'm a Florida Gator. Even though I'm still a Western Illinois Leatherneck, but uh, I'm a Florida Gator. You know, when it comes to watching the team, so good stuff. Very now, cool time though. A lot. A lot of cool traditions. Yeah. Now. Now we can revisit this after you. Um, perhaps now. Uh, was this Florida's first home game of the year? Were they at home this it first was. time this year? It yeah. was. They lost, so, to, they, they lost to Utah last week. First game at home, they won. Yeah. So, uh, you know, first game at home. So there's a certain amount of hype with that. And perhaps mm-hmm. your first Gator hardcore matchup, which I believe you're going to the Tennessee game coming up. Um, Correct. Maybe a better time to actually have this conversation. But I'm just curious, as someone who's not been at big time college sporting events before. Um, Uh I find it is one of the most fun in stadium experiences that one can have across the board of cross any, any sports, um, of all time, uh, a football game or a basketball game, um, college hockey is super fun in the stadium as well, but there's something about because there's that student body. And so that the attendance like skews younger and there's this large section of students being being drunken idiots most of the time but Uh but bringing a a very fun energy to the to the place makes it a much more exciting place to be do you and maybe maybe i just go to too many games at lamo yankee stadium to to (laughs) and so i'm a little jaded now but do you have you found that to be case now that you're a big college sports guy of course, yeah. Now that I'm the biggest college sports fan of all time, I've I've definitely picked up on that. No, I I do I do agree. It is it makes a world of difference. Not only a when when you're a bigger marketed school, but then on top of it, when you have fans that live and die by this mm-hmm. team, it's you know it's it's it, it's it's kind of I don't want to. I'm just, I'm just gonna say it. It's kind of how I wish more Tigers fans were. I wish more Tigers fans were kind of like live by the sword, die by the sword, which based off what I saw last weekend in Gainesville, like 
hundred percent of the fans <laughs> pretty much were like, and I, and I respect that. I respect that. I know it's different mediums when you're playing one game a week, as opposed to five or six or sometimes seven, you know, like the tigers can be at times. I get that. Um, but yeah, it, it's it also too, like for me, this doesn't even go back to college. This goes back to high school. Like I've mm-hmm. never, I have never gone to a school as a, as a student where the team has been competitive and even professional. I mean, the bears, I, I, they're pretty bad across the board in all my years of fandom, some years better than others. Um, tigers aren't good. I pretty much what I'm getting at here is all my teams are a bunch of losers. And I'm not saying that the Gators won't join that kind of, that kind of bandwagon, so to speak, and you get thrown up on the mantle with the other teams and kind of lumped in. But as it stands now, it's just fun to watch a completely different team that you don't know about. And you're trying now to kind of like learn it and like you, you figure out players and how things work and the history and all that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's night and day, uh, compared to where we went to school. We were laughing. I think, I think capacity there, I think they can, it's like 79 to 80,000. Well, no, cause they had 80,000. I think 90,000 is like their, their capacity somewhere around there. And then we were looking at Hanson field where the Leathernecks play. And I think their capacity was like 16. And I was like, yeah, it's pretty much like just there's high school stadiums that are bigger than we went to yeah. college. So what does that tell you? But, uh, Boy, for those of you who aren't Tiger fans, like this is just a boring podcast. I'm just going to talk about football, and probably yeah, we are. This is a spoiler because I got to go to my first college game. NFL is back, and while yeah, the Tigers just took two out of three from the White Sox. This thing's over in 20 games, folks. We're on cruise control. It's it's senioritis season here at the Michigan and Trumbull podcast, and uh, that's where we're at. But yeah, overall, great experience. Look forward to my next game, um, and hopefully have. More to report as the season goes on. Go Gators. All right. Do the Gators. Get out of here. See, I did this. I did this, which I'm, isn't, isn't that hook'em horns? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. And I which, usually hook just, em, in hook general. Horns, horns. I love watching Alabama lose. And so yeah, that was so, a great time. Yeah. So I usually I'm a rock on guy. I do a lot of rock on symbols, but now that I'm a big college football guy, I can't hook them horns. Everyone's going to think, was that, that that's Texas, right? Texas mm-hmm. Longhorns, if yes, I'm not sir. mistaken. They're going to think of a Texas guy, but they do the gator chop. So, My favorite thing is because you, you're trying to keep it in the frame. You have to like short arm it. And uh-huh. so that's, that's like, yeah. I'm, it, I'm like a dinosaur trying to do it. Could you imagine it's trying like to watch a dinosaur a po- like, do a gator wa- Like watching a politician like do the wave at yeah. at a sporting event where you're like, oh, this person is just like never in these environments and somebody has told them what to do, but they don't quite have it naturally in their body yet. Um, and, and Speaking we- of politicians, uh, I'm going to do this impression. I'm going to go for the joke here. Which former president of the United States am I? Marco Rubio was never president of the United States. It's Rubio. That was the former president. Uh, and I'll just leave it at that. I don't know why I wanted to do that so badly. <laughs> I don't know why. What is it? <laughs> Boy, you know, you know, we got nothing to talk about on this show today. When I start doing impersonations of presidents, that's, you know, we're up shit's creek without a paddle. Well, it, it is. It is interesting because I, I think that, <laughs> uh, you know, you mentioned that it, it's senioritis around here at uh, the Michigan mm-hmm. Trouble podcast. And it definitely it definitely is because this is also like 
the NFL has started. Uh, the Tigers right. are are not actually eliminated from the playoffs yet, but it would take, I mean, just something that's never been seen before in Major League Baseball history for them to right. to take the division at this point, where the the mm-hmm. Twins suddenly lose twenty straight games, uh, and the Tigers, you know, win fifteen out of the last twenty and uh and take take the division at this point but the the thing that is interesting is that uh i would absolutely even with us doing the show not watch baseball games i would like keep track of the game i would Mm -hmm. would be checking in on the score and checking the box score and doing that kind of stuff but i would but i'm now watching football thursday night most of the day saturday all day Sunday and Monday night. And so that leaves little time to, to, uh, you know, let my wife watch what she wants to watch on television. And so I wouldn't then take the time with baseball, but because these are the final 20 or so games of Miguel Cabrera's career, I will be tuning in to games to watch Miggy's at bats, to watch his final appearances in some of these stadiums. Um, which will transition us into me talking about my time at Yankee Stadium last week. Yes, uh, yes, where I do was it. in attendance at all three games. Uh, those that have been following the show from the beginning, I have not missed a Detroit Tigers game in New York since I moved to New York, um, which coincides approximately with the start of this show. And uh, well, going into the series they were zero and six in the city of new york uh since i had moved here then after uh the first two games they were sitting at zero and eight and then finally on thursday night they shellacked the new york yankees 10 to 3 10 to 3 uh which was very fun mm-hmm. i gotta say i have not had more fun at yankee stadium than i had <laughs> on thursday night it was a great time <laughs> We were sitting in the. I was sitting in the bleachers with my with my buddy Dan, whose last name we I promised him I would withhold from the show, um, because he's such bad luck for the Yankees. He doesn't want that to get out in the city of New York. Uh, so, Dan, thanks for coming. You're coming to all six <laughs> games next year when we play three uh-huh. at City Field and three at Yankee Stadium, uh, because it it worked. Whatever you bring into the table worked. But we were out in the bleachers. There were a couple other Tigers fans nearby um, who had uh, imbibed in a little bit of alcohol. Nice. And so just having a great time. And the Tigers were up from go in that game. Uh, and so it was it was just a really fun way. But I did I did at the in the as we headed to the bottom of the ninth with a 10-3 lead, I did turn to Dan and I said, uh, I am way more nervous than I should be with a 10 to three lead because my mm-hmm. heart has been broken by this team way too many times. Uh, yeah, a little PTSD. Yeah, but nothing, uh, nothing too bad to report there. The only disappointment on Thursday night, obviously Miguel Cabrera's final appearance at Yankee stadium. Uh, he ends up going over four, maybe over five, um, in that appearance and so that's obviously you wanted to see Miggy get a hit um, at some point in his final game at Yankee Stadium 
but didn't come through. But the it was a very, very classy time with the Yankees fans, um, with Miguel Cabrera. So credit where credit is due. Um, his first at bat all three games, um, thunderous applause, lots of folks standing up. Um, I don't think I don't know that anybody was sitting down during his final at bat at Yankee Stadium. Everybody kind of stood for him uh there understanding what they were witnessing uh mm-hmm. and and then obviously on tuesday night they they had the the ceremony and uh gave miguel um the subway sign of uh, 161 in river street uh autographed by this year's yankees team so uh i think they made it worthless and i was gonna say yeah that's not much <laughs> that's, that's not a gift at all a gift card would have been just fine folks um then they gave him uh they presented him a ten thousand dollar check for his foundation um nice. from from the yankees organization and then the thing the thing that he got most excited about and i think was pretty cool was a painting of the image of him hitting a home run off of mariano rivera uh that um is i think that's probably the thing he's going to keep i don't know where that subway sign is going to go in his house but that painting's probably going to be very prominently displayed well, if he ever runs out of toilet paper, he can use that subway sign, I'm sure. Uh, the Might hurt. Might hurt, but he could use it. Hey, to each their own. Uh, he's the millionaire, not me. He's a strong um, man. He is. A big, he is the big fella. So big fella. God be with he's us all. He's a subway uh, title. Toilet paper. He's a subway title. Wipe his ass. So, all right. How big is he? <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> Join um, us next week on the Michigan and Trumbull podcast. Oh, boy. <laughs> Oh. This just in. Miguel Cabrera wipes his ass with a subway sign. Um, okay. ESPN so, Radio, get at us. You want this live during drive time every day. Yeah, come on. You don't want this? Suck it, Mike Francesca. We could we could rock this thing here. Um, uh, all right. Where were we? Maybe that's, maybe that's the title focus. of the episode. Suck it, Mike Francesca. Suck it, Mike Francesca. <laughs> Dude, I could watch that guy answer crank calls from Mets fans all day. Hilarious. Hilarious stuff. Um, yeah, it's, you know, the one thing I can say real, for real, the Mariano Rivera, Miguel Cabrera um, at bat, and I think everyone knows I'm talking about mm-hmm. where they, you know, he fouled off a bunch of pitches. He like fouled two off his leg, I think it was, and then he took Mariano Rivera deep to center field. When I think of top five Miguel Cabrera at bats, maybe even top three all time, that would have to be there. You could make an argument that might be his number one at bat of all time in his Tigers career, just based off of the, the star power. I mean, Mario Rivera, greatest closer of all time. You can make that argument as well. Um, I would probably say he is, in my opinion, Um, you know, versus one of the greatest hitters of all time, just a blockbuster battle and and Miggy won it. So definitely would be out there. That's cool to give him the painting. It's good to see the Yankees still have a little class. They can show a little, even though that they are uh, one game away from being eliminated. It looks like, from winning the division as if being 19 and a half back wasn't enough of a, <laughs> wasn't enough of a welcome call, wake up call. Excuse me. Um, yeah. You're one game. Good luck Yankees. Aaron Boone. Does he have a job uh, by the end of October or no. even the beginning of October? I don't think so. I don't think so I think at all. I think he's done too. Yeah. I think he's done too. Yeah. Yeah, you know who I don't like sorry, the Yankees this is, this among is, the Yankees? Sorry, I just want to, on the Mario, Mariano Rivera point, I meant to look this up um, after they gave the painting because we we were talking about it, but in 19 seasons um, in Major League Baseball, he gave up 71 home runs. 
Wow. Now, obviously, a closer, so that's not, you know, mm-hmm. that's not 19 years of starter level innings, but it still 19 years, 71 home runs. There's not there's not that many guys who even have a memory of hitting a a home run off of Mariano Rivera. Mm-hmm. So, uh so yeah, I mean, I you're completely right about that at bat. That is probably the the signature at bat of Miguel Cabrera's career, which we remind you um, began with him hitting a walk-off home run to win a game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For the Marlins. So not his first hit of that game, I don't believe, but you know, at most the third hit of his career. Yeah. It was some, yeah. I'm trying to think his first hit was a walk-off, wasn't it? If I'm not mistaken, he it, wasn't I a think home it was, run, I think it, was just, it was a base hit walk-off, wasn't it? Yeah, or was it Homer? I think it was a home run. I think it was a. Yeah. I think it was a homer was in his too. in his debut yeah, right. with the the Marlins. My brain's getting fuzzy on me. Yeah, the, it's all that uh, Gator chomping you're doing. Yeah, the, the Mariano Rivera one. That one's a classic. That one's an absolute classic. No, no, I gotta gotta, but, gotta yeah, cut it I, out. Um, no, I, I don't I think say, Aaron Boone has a job. No, I don't either. Um, you know, I don't like on the Marlins or the, Jesus, the Marlins. He used to play for the Marlins, coincidentally enough, and he used to go by Mike Stanton back in the day. Giancarlo Stanton mm-hmm. is built like a brick shit house, but I think he has the worst swing in baseball. When he strikes out, it looks like he doesn't even care. Now, granted, I have watched Javier Baez play for the Tigers the last two seasons. Don't think he has a great swing by any means either. I think he's got a lot of holes as a hitter. What Stanton, Stanton's just so strong. And he plays in such a little league ballpark that even if he makes a little contact, he hits the ball 6,000 miles. But when he whiffs, he whiffs. I think he has one of the worst swings, if not the worst swing in all of baseball. It's just like, it's all, it's like all arms, but I think that's a testament to how strong his lower body is. But mm-hmm. I think it really exposes how shitty his swing mechanics are when he strikes out, which he's done quite a bit. He's not having a good season by any means. And that's Luke, why he fits in well with his current Yankees team. Luke, Luke says about the f- fourth fastest player in Major League Baseball history to get to 400 home runs. I don't know. I just Giancarlo think he's got Stanton. a bad swing. <laughs> I don't know. I think he's got a bad swing. Call me crazy. Call me crazy, but I don't know. How many career home runs does he have? 400. On the nose? Oh, that's right. I hit 400 against the Tigers. Yeah, on Tuesday night. I don't which- know. Which I maybe, very, I very much happened. confused my wife when after he hit that 400th home run because I did stand up and clap for him, and she was very confused as to why I was cheering for a Yankees home run, and I was like, ah, it's a, it's a milestone ball. I can't, I can't not clap for the guy. I would have booed. <laughs> no, I would have, I would have stood up and clapped too. I don't know. Maybe that's a take I'll regret someday. Among many I've said on this show, maybe. I don't have much basis to go off of, but I just feel like when that man swings and misses on a baseball, it is disgusting because I feel like he's just all armed, baby. But again, I think it's a testament to his his lower body, how much strength he has. He can hit the ball. I'm not saying he can't hit the ball. It doesn't surprise me by any stretch of the imagination what you just said, that he's like the fourth fastest whatever to 400 in the career of Major League, Major League Baseball history. But I don't know. Time well, will tell. Well, how old is he, by the way? That's not, not that old. He's only... Like in his like twenty eight somewhere in there. I just had him pulled up, but I I exited the window. He's thirty three. He's 20, old. Twenty eight. He's old in 33. baseball. Old as dirt. Um, old as dirt. 
but I think that you know, I mean, to to kind of extend the point and bring it back to the Tigers here, I think that's that's another thing that just we can fully appreciate about having watched Miguel Cabrera hit all this time is that it's yeah, the man has 500 run, home runs in his home, in his career, playing in one of the least hitter friendly parks um, for mm-hmm. the majority of that career, and up high on the doubles list, um, always understands the hitting situation and can seemingly get it done most of the time, whatever it needs to be, whether that's a, you know, a, a looping single, it's a long fly, long fly sack fly, um, or power it over the fence. Um, less of that in recent years, but you know, the, the ability to, to hit to the situation, um, so consistently that we haven't re- we don't really see in baseball ever because you have guys that are power guys like Giancarlo Stanton and you have guys that are you know consistent on base doubles singles guys um and Miguel Cabrera for most of his career was both uh which mm-hmm. is has just been magical to see and he did get a hit like, I'm sure it happened last great. week yeah I'm sure it happened uh, during the Yankees series. Admittedly, I didn't watch that series 100% super closely. Um, but when like, when was the last time like Giancarlo Stanton just got a base hit? I'm sure he had one in the Yankees series because they won two out of those three games. Did he ever just hit like a single right up the middle, like a soft fly ball into right field for a single? Yeah, no. I mean, it's 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 definitely it's, it's always... It's either moonshot or, or strikeout, I feel like, lately for Giancarlo. And when I yeah. looked it up on Google... It said one of the first things was like compilation of worst John Carl Stanton swings. <laughs> now I feel a little bit validated by some rando on YouTube, and that's all I need to get me through this episode. From one rando on YouTube to another, to another, feeling <laughs> I see you feeling good. No, and I think that that's um, like that's been the, the that's the thing that's most frustrating about Javi Baez um on this on this tigers team is that we're getting the ugliest the ugly ugly strikeouts of a power mm-hmm. hitter without yeah. the the also result that goes alongside it um like yeah you're going to have to watch at least one ugly Giancarlo Stanton home run or at bat a game ugly strikeout but every every third day you're also probably getting a you know two run shot yeah well, yes, and as as much kind of you know dirt as I just you know piled on for Stanton, admittedly, I got no room to talk because we have to watch Javier Baez, you know, every game, every other game, whatever his like playing situation is at this point. And when you look at those two guys' careers, Giancarlo Stanton had an enormously more successful career than Javier mm-hmm. Baez could ever wish that he uh, you know would have. So, yeah, just um, one of those things. Although, one of those things, as, I suppose. As much crap as. Um... We like to give Javi Baez as I as I as he deserves as well. Um, he had a great series at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> I think he went went three for four on Tuesday night. Um, mm-hmm. Had a couple more hits on Wednesday, and and also part of the uh, came into the was in the game Thursday as well. Came in late on Wednesday night, I think, is when he. I'm just what I'm so amazed by with Javi is and you kind of mentioned just a second ago is the loss of power. He's got eight home runs, I think, on the year. Yeah. I mean. He's tied, I think, with Matt Vierling for home runs in, ter- in terms of home runs that those guys have. And uh, one of those guys was paid $140 million uh, to hit home runs. 
Um, and it wasn't Matt Veerling. So, um, among other things, I know, I know that's not just what Javi's game is, is home run, a lot of, you know, the defense too. And, you know, we're paying Javi him for that defense. Is, I, we are, we're paying him a lot of money for that defense. And I, I'll never really have the perfect answer for Javi's defense because, Yep, there are times where he is El Mago. There is times he is the magician. There is times I watch him play defense and I go, how the hell did he do that? That's really impressive. And then those rare glimpses are then quickly overshadowed Mm -hmm. by watching a man consistently skip the ball to first base. And I'm just like, it's like he doesn't even like, does he not have the arm strength to throw to Spencer Torkelson at first base? Like I'm, I'm genuinely curious. So Javi's Javi's an anomaly. I, I'm really curious, and we kind of were joking about it before we got going, the cut him and keep him episode. Right now I'm cutting him. I, I think I think you have to cut Javi Baez. I don't know who the replacement is going into 2024. I will be curious to see if the Tigers also are like, this guy is not going to be around for the long-term future. I would be stunned if Javier Baez opted out because who in their right mind would want to take Javier Piaz right now. And, you know, in terms of free agency, unless you get him for a, the deal of all deals, you know, if I'm Javi from a business mindset, just stay where you are, man, make that paycheck, handle the boo birds from time to time and get out mm-hmm. of Comerica when your time is right until this team cuts you out of Comerica. And I'll be curious to see if they do that this offseason. If they say, you know what? Thanks, Javi. That's from the previous regime. That was one of Avila's last moves. Scott Harris wants to do his things his way. And maybe they do cut him out. Maybe they don't. But I think personally, just foreshadowing to our cut him and keep him episode, you got to cut Javi Baez going into 2024 and give someone else a shot. Honestly, I'd say give Zach Short a shot every well, night at shortstop. I mean, let, like, look at their stat lines this season. Zach Short versus Javi Baez. Zach Short has six home runs um, mm-hmm. and an offensive war of 0.6, which is the exact same as Javi Baez's. So you're. No. And, uh, I, you know, I'll pull up the the defense here um, and look at their defensive war. Um, but I, I have to think they're at least even if not Zach short is a defensive plus versus versus Javi Baez. Um, yeah. And that that's to be fair. I'll, I'll give, I'll stick up for Javi there a little bit. That's because a Zach short didn't even make this team out of camp and B has had less games played than Javi. So right, like, okay, I would love okay, to see. So, like, so it is. So Javi does have a better defensive war. Than Zach Short, but it's Javi has a one point one defensive WAR and Zach Short's is point seven. So I I think that you're not a ton of daylight. Yeah, you're certainly you know the hundred million dollar difference at um, <laughs> minimum between between the two yeah. of them on their contracts. So Zach Short's probably like five. I don't know what his contract looks like. Uh, so. Five hundred, maybe that's it. Yeah, five hundred dollars. The minimum right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how they handle the uh, Javi situation. So uh, one thing I do want to talk about real quick, keeping it on the Tigers, is with the most recent series victory over the Chicago White Sox. I believe it was for the first time since two thousand eleven, if I'm not mistaken. The Detroit Tigers won the season series against all four teams in the American League Central, Kansas City, Cleveland, Minnesota, and Chicago. And although I have dogged on this team a lot this season, and I think rightfully so in a lot of ways, that is 
an impressive thing. And that does to me show signs of improvement because mm -hmm. I've said so many times in the past on this show, if you even want to be considered a front runner at the playoffs, a legitimate threat, a contender, whatever, it starts with beating the teams in your own division. And we have seen for so many years in recent, recent years, recent memory that the Tigers were unable to do that. So that is a big feat. Now, just because you beat every team in your division does not then mean you can go and lose one out of two, two out of four, or just get straight up swept by all other opposing non-AL mm -hmm. central teams because then you will be in a situation that you are still currently in where you're a fringe 70 to 74 win team and missing out on the playoffs once again. So good work on beating the crap out of teams within your division. Let's hope next year we see that translate to teams just across the league. In particular, the AL East. I think they only won like five games or four games against AL East teams this season. So that's not good. Got to yeah. fix that. I know the AL East is competitive, but those are the types of teams you'll see in the postseason if you're ever lucky enough to get there. So you got to give them a run for their money and not just roll over and die. Agree. Want to wanna have some fun with numbers, Luke? Yes, let's do it. I love numbers. Love math. Look at him drink water. He's great. All right, Spencer Torkelson leading the team with 27 home runs. Um, great season for Torque for at the plate. We'll eh. take it. <laughs> compared, compared to <laughs> last bad. year, 27 home yes. runs, 78 RBIs, 124 hits. Yes, better than last year, absolutely consistency is now his next hurdle he needs to climb. So that's, you know, it's hard to work on that in the off season because you're not playing games, obviously, but that is the one thing I want to see from Spencer Torkelson among other players as well, going into the 2024 season, just being more consistent overall at the dish, but, and in the field too. But that's another thing. Well, if he had a shortstop that wasn't skipping the ball to him, every throw that would help his defensive point. positioning. Um, I then was wondering, uh, Luke, who holds the single-season Detroit Tigers record for home runs? Single-season Detroit Tigers record for home runs. Qualifying question. Mm -hmm. Is this someone from recent memory or is this an old-school Tiger? Because I have an answer for both. This is an old-school Tiger. I'm going to go, could be wrong. I'm going to go the man himself, Mr. Tiger, the great Al Kaline. That is a, is a good guess, but it is not him. It is a man who goes by the name Hammerin' Hank of Greenberg. Hank? Mm. Who hit 58 home runs in 1938, uh, which is the second oldest club record. Um, in Major League Baseball. The oldest belongs to a guy named Jimmy Fox, who also hit 58, but he did so in uh -huh. 1932. Which franchise was Jimmy Fox a part of? There's a connection to the show, is, the, is what I'll help you with. Well, 
Is it the Detroit Tigers? Uh, no. <laughs> Jimmy Fox. Jimmy Fox. Oh, boy. Getting exposed for showing my lack of knowledge of old school baseball. That's okay. Listen, Luke, never, you had a perfect immaculate grid today. So I did. Yes, we buried the lead with that. I did do that. Also, who would have thought, just sidebar for a second, who would have thought I would complete an immaculate grid that had nothing to do with the Detroit Tigers? The Tigers weren't even one of the teams mentioned today. It was a lot of Nationals, Pirates, uh, White Sox, Pirates, I think, were on there. Anyways, I'm, I'm rambling. Uh, Jimmy Fox. And you said there's a connection to this podcast. I'm going mm-hmm. to say is, I think I might know you're going with this, was an Oakland A? That is correct. Oakland A, 1932. Club Context record. clues, ladies and gentlemen. Context okay. clues. Okay, Luke. Um, the second person on the Tigers list after ha- Hammer and Hank Greenberg um, is not a, a our era of Detroit Tigers quite yet, but they did play... Uh, post-84 World Series for the Detroit Tigers. So late 80s, early 90s Detroit Tigers. Who who do you think it is? This was my second guess for the old school. I could be totally off base here, but a man who I know was known for hitting some nukes, Cecil Fielder. That is correct. 51 in the 1990 season. Um, there we go. If you get the guy sitting at number three, uh, I'll be deeply impressed. Okay. From the sixties. Oh, the sixties. Okay. Um, I am going to go Alex Avila. Show me Alex. Rocky Colavito. We never have gotten that one. Hit 45 home runs. Me a, a billion dollars. Wouldn't have gotten that. In 1967, and then there's a guy who's sitting uh, tied with himself mm-hmm. um, in the fourth, fifth spot. Miguel Cabrera with 44, I believe. That is correct. In 2012 and 2013, I looked this, I looked this up. I looked this up um, the other day, actually just yesterday, because I was like, how many? I was amazed. Like, I was surprised Miguel Cabrera never had a 50 home run season. But then yeah. I started thinking about it. I was like, no, he never. He never did. He never did. So, also tied with Mickey at forty-four on that list are hammering Hank Greenberg, who did it in forty-six, and mm-hmm. Cecil Fielder, who did it in nineteen ninety-one. So those guys could really. <laughs> this hit. is the second time. This is the second time you've referred to Hank Greenberg as hammering Hank Greenberg, which is totally fair. If you hit as many home runs as he did, I think the hammering title or moniker isn't just exclusively to one person by the first name of Hank, but I always think of Hammer and Hank Aaron because I think that's how most people know as it yeah. has kind of gone by that that nickname as. And I every time I'm like, am I going to have to correct Alex? And we're going to talk about Hank Aaron now. I was like, I don't think he was a former Tiger. I could be wrong. But uh, yeah, Hank Greenberg, legend. Legend. Uh, lovely, lovely, lovely Hank Greenberg. It's really interesting the number of guys who uh, fully repeat on this list. Um, I guess it's not, you know, not overly interesting, but there is one person, one person in there from 2015. Uh, can you name the 2015 Tiger in the top in the top 22 of single season home runs? How many home runs did this Tiger have? Would you mind divulging? 38 home runs in 2015. Hmm. I'm not going to say Miggy. Um, I'm torn between. V Mart 
and J.D. Martinez. Prince was already gone by then. Kinsler didn't get up there. Torrey Hunter didn't get up there. I think those guys might have been gone too. Oh, maybe Justin Upton. Ooh, there's three. There's three I'm torn on. Upton, J.D., Victor. I'm going to go J.D. It was J.D., J.D. Martinez, 38 home runs. Give him the points, ladies and gentlemen. Give it to him. Give him the points. Love Um, it. Yeah. Those are the numbers today. Love it. Those are the numbers. Love it. Good numbers. Good work. Good numbers. Good rest of the season. It's going to be good. We got we got some mm-hmm. some more guys kind of making some debuts, making their way up, uh, doing their thing. Yeah. Real quick on that. Sawyer Gibson Long had a real nice start. Uh, first career win against the Chicago White Sox on that Sunday matinee. So I don't want to bury the lead there because that was a pretty, pretty damn good start and appearance for your major league debut. The White Sox suck beyond all belief. They're awful. Uh, but regardless... They are they are so bad. They are they are atrocious. And I'm sure we'll get in that like during like a postseason kind of recap and we get the guys back on. I'd love to hear Colin's thoughts in particular because they are just bad. But to be fair, and I'm gonna give myself some credit, I remember saying during the preseason picks and predictions episode, the White Sox are gonna have one of two things happen. They're either gonna be really bad. Or they're going to be a team that wins like 90 games. We're all going to be like, well, yeah, of course they're going to win 90 games. Look at the mm-hmm. roster. And it has been the latter. Um, so, yeah, just not not good. They, they have been a dog shit baseball team this season. I would like to see, I know, you know, there's no prizes for second place finishes really. But it would be cool to see the Tigers uh, gain games on Cleveland because I think they're only a game and a half back right now. Detroit's nine out. Cleveland's seven and a half. Mm-hmm. And they're going to finish off the season against uh, the Guardians. So it would be cool to see the Tigers kind of supersede Cleveland and solely finish in the second place spot this season. And, I feel like they deserve it. And things um, are set up <laughs> pretty well for the Tigers to at least do their part of that equation as it's yeah four games against Oakland coming up. Dude. Three against Kansas City. The Angels are terrible. But here's the thing. Here's the thing real quick on that, because they're about to begin their final road trip of the season when they go out west. The Angels, first of all, they're playing the Dodgers. The Dodgers are a great team, so the Dodgers will probably whoop up on the Tigers. They never play well against the Angels, whether it's at home or on the road. And they have not played well against Oakland. I don't know the numbers exactly, but like the last four or five years, Oakland has had the Tigers book. I mean, they took two out of three from the Tigers earlier this season in in Detroit. So as excited as I want to be that like, okay, you know what? The whoop up on LA, the whoop up on Oakland. I'm not counting those as guarantee wins. I feel pretty good against the Kansas City series and the Cleveland series to wrap up the year. Mm-hmm. But those Angels and Oakland A's are always a pain in the ass to the Tigers. And I just don't, those aren't going to be walking the parks. They should be, but I just don't feel like they're going to be. Yeah, and I, I I agree with you, but I and I will also say, and I I mean this sincerely because Tom's not even here for me to be sucking up to him. Uh, this this Oakland Athletic team, I think, is better than their record reflects. And if they had ownership that cared, there there are pieces there that they could build with. Um, and there are. It's not as like porous of a of an organization that that needs fixing as as one might initially think looking at the terrible Oakland Athletics. But do you just like when you watch them play? They're like in games 
for about six innings with really great teams, and then something falls apart from the bullpen. Something they, like they, they, yeah, they still not pitching. Yeah, they don't, and I'm not gonna say they have a great offense either, but they really have no pitching. Certainly not. But like def- defensively, they can kind of stick around. Um, but the the pitching is just awful, and that they're just getting shelled. Um, well. Also, not to and not to suck up to Tom either, who's not even here. But for what it's worth, they're not for what it's worth. They're not the worst team in baseball. Mm-hmm. Kansas City has taken that mantle from Oakland, so that might change by the end of the year. But as it currently stands, Oakland, I believe, is a game better than Kansas City. Oakland's got a three hundred eight win percentage. Kansas City's three hundred six. So they're really volleying back and forth for. Who's going to be stuck in the basement? You want to take a guess at who the third worst team in baseball is this year? I guess the Chicago White Sox. Close. From what I can gather, doing a quick look, they're number four. The number three worst team. And when you hear this team, you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. They're an NL team. I pay so little attention to the National League. The Mets? No, look more west. Maybe get a coat. Might be a little bit chilly. Might want to hit the slopes after the game because it's so bad. The the Colorado Rockies? There you go. Yeah, the Rockies suck, dude. They're so bad. They're 51 and 91. The Rockies are a team, and I have to remember this when we do our, our picks next season. I always pick them last, I feel like. or I always in my mind, I'm like, you know what? Like... I'll, they're my last picks. So I don't expect much out of them. But maybe they can get me like 65, 70 wins. They can't even do that. They're 51 and 91. They are Oof. a they are a mess of an organization as well. They're they are they're probably the most directionless organization in all of baseball. I'm sure A's fans or Royals fans or White Sox fans would disagree with me. But I feel like that is a team that is consistently just terrible. They were good like what, one year? When Matt Holiday slid into home and sends him to the World Series against the Red Sox, and they lost in the World Series, like just, just terrible, just terrible. But yeah, not great for the A's, not great for the Royals. It's very meh for the Tigers right now. Uh, they are sixty-six and seventy-seven, I believe. Let me see here. Yeah, sixty-six, seventy-seven. So um, probably going to finish under five hundred once again. But uh, you know, maybe they can get that that wins number to like seventy-five, seventy-eight. Maybe be more on par with the 2021 team. So we'll see what happens. I love it. And we'll be here to chat about it um, as the season winds down. Luke, have a great week. See you, buddy. Have a good one.